0: Alright, it is a new episode, see I've already completely forgotten what episode it is, I mean, you know, this is, (laughs) when have I ever remembered, I remember sometimes, okay, it's the 18th episode of the Running My Mouth podcast, I am your recently woken up from a nap host Erin, I don't know if I've used that one before. But I have recently woken up from a nap and uh, allow me to uh, run my mouth a little bit. So I originally had a list of topics for this episode. It was a list consisting of only like three things. And one of those things I talked about at length on a YouTube video on my main channel. Um, It's about the Poppers Cemetery in... Hines County in Mississippi, and a video by Vosh that I saw that just had a lot of inaccuracies that I wanted to point out because you know those things are being spread around as fact, and that is not very helpful at all. And I'm not really gonna talk about it anymore because I spent, you know, an hour and a half talking about it yesterday. Um, so like I if you wanna if you want to know more about that situation. You can just watch my video on my main channel. It's just Aaron. Um, It's as of, you know, this episode coming out, it's the most recent video that's on my channel. I'm not going to lie. I did kind of forget the title. It's a long title. I don't know why I made it so long, but um, it's on there if you want to watch it. It's about an hour and nine minutes, which aside from a very disjointed review of the book, um, Luckiest Girl Alive, It's probably the longest video on my channel, aside from like a one-off podcast episode thing that I did. But, you know, as for like a structured video on my channel, it's definitely the longest. And let me tell you, I spent all day working on it yesterday. Like I looked up and it was like almost five o'clock and I was like, oh man, that really sucked me all day. But um, yeah, it's out. If you want to see it, I'm not going to talk about it here um, because I talked about it so much already. So the other two things on my list, I guess I can replace the uh, the pauper's grave or the pauper's cemetery with, um, fr- when was this, Saturday? Yeah, okay, Saturday night. I went to see uh, the Book of Clarence um, in theaters featuring, oh my gosh, why am I blanking out his name? Lakeith Stanfield, uh, you know, the, the guy with the secret family. And um, it was fine. It was it was pretty fine. I, you know, even though I am of the agnostic persuasion. I really love a good riff on the Bible. I think it's fun, especially something like that, you know? Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the movie itself. I thought it was a fine movie. It gave me a giggle sometimes. It was really nice to see. Nice to see a movie in the theater again, even though, let's see, the last one that I saw was Napoleon, and that one was just kind of... It was just kind of just okay, you know? Um, that was the uh, the Ridley Scott one with... Um, Walking Phoenix. And um, yeah, that I remembered in my head as I was watching Napoleon, like, oh yeah, Ridley Scott did make the last duel. Forgot about that. And I have seen that one as well in theaters when it came out a couple years ago now. Um, but enough about Ridley Scott. I thought this was a really well-done movie. You know, it wasn't gut-bustingly funny, but it had its moments. Even though the ending was kind of, um, I don't want to say a downer, (laughs) because spoilers for the Book of Clarence. But essentially, Lakita Stanfield's character decides to become a messiah so that he can grift people and pay back this guy for like a horse and a chariot that he borrowed, I guess, to race this girl who just so happens to be Mary Magdalene, played by, um, oh my god, what's her name? I'm blanking out on names. Like I said, I just woke up from a nap. She was in A 1001. Tiana Taylor. Mary Magdalene is played by Tiana Taylor. He's racing her. They lose the chariot. Now they gotta pay this guy back. And he's like, you know what? The 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 idea, it all takes place in 33 AD, by the way, which sort of, maybe it wasn't obvious, actually. I don't know. But, um, is like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend to be Messiah, we're gonna, we're gonna take donations, and then we're gonna be able to pay this guy's, this guy back, and then I'll win the affections of his sister, because that's his whole, like, overarching goal, and, um, he ends up being a little too good at his job, and so the Roman legion is like, hey, Messiah, we gotta, um, execute you, actually, which it's really interesting, because, I mean, in the actual Bible, the, well, okay, it, to be fair it's been a while since i've actually read the bible i haven't had to read it since like college my my belhaven university education required me to read the bible um so i can't remember if it was actually like you know the the jewish community or the romans who like initiated him being on trial and like being crucified and everything like that i genuinely can't remember but movie um he you know the the romans are like rounding up all of the messiah claimants and or crucifying them and um yeah all of that all of that was for like for, for a girl you know which actually no this actually reminded me of something that i did want to talk about so when i was in college at Bellhaven university the school that required me to read the bible and go to church once a week. It wasn't technically church, it was chapel. We had to listen to a, a person speak and it was boring every single time, except the only time I paid attention at chapel in college was when Angie Thomas came to speak. That was the only time I was ever paying attention. Anytime else, I was like trying to nap. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. While I was at school studying film, obviously, you know, you have to you have to write some films. Which is like, oh yeah, great. Um, but something that I noticed is that a number of my, you know, male classmates were just writing all these boy meets girl stories, and like the whole point of all of their scripts was like, Oh, I'm gonna <coughs> goodness. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a thing to impress a girl or something centering around a woman and like You know, what what were the things that I was writing at the time, particularly skillful? Probably not. I was, you know, just figuring out how to do all of this. I'm not really commenting on the skillfulness of these scripts, mostly just the plot. Um, And, you know, I just found it to be so boring. It's like, you know, the, the common refrain in writing, be it screenwriting or really any type of writing, is write what you know. And obviously these guys knew nothing other than get girl like me which to be fair, I was also in that mind space of get guy like me, but I wasn't really writing about it because it felt trite. It felt done to death, you know? I mean, I guess if you wanna boil down the human condition to like a few core things, getting someone of the gender that you're interested in to be interested in you is like a pretty universal experience I would say but there are a lot of interesting things you can write about instead of that now I will say this because of the way our film program was ran um we were writing things that let me say this we were encouraged to write things that we could actually make you know so we could you know learn the filmmaking process and we kind of had limited resources the film program at Bellhaven started in when was it 2016 i believe and i joined in 2018 so i was like we're two years into a very small fledgling program and so we aren't going to have access to you know big sound stages even though there is another community college around here i believe it's hines that has a film and television program that has like an actual soundstage, um, there could have been some collaboration there. I don't know why it never happened, but I don't know. You know, that's um, that's up to the person who was over it, not me. So, but um, what was I saying? Oh, we didn't really have access to a whole lot of like soundstages and actors as well, because, you know, I think I talked about this on the pod before, I remember mentioning it, but either way, that was another episode. This is this episode. Um, I made a video not long after I graduated about my challenges um, trying to make a short film. And one of the challenges that I encountered was that my senior film that I was going to make was going to honestly be very simple, one location, like two actors and like two extras. That was the, the entirety of what was required. But my main actress the the main character was gonna be a black woman and you know at bellhaven we do have a pretty a pretty decent you know i would say robust theater program but um we had at the time i don't know what it's like there now it's probably actually you know i can't even say it's probably better i don't know i legitimately don't know i would hope it's better but at the time we had two black female actresses in the entire theater program. And I mean, you know, Bellhaven's not a particularly big school, but still it, it is kind of weird that there's only two black actresses in the entire program. And, you know, at the time, again, hopefully, I hope this has changed because all you're doing is really hamstringing your students. But anyways, um, at the time, we were encouraged to only really use our theater students and not really, you know, venture out to like other actors because as it was the the assumption of my, you know, professor, you're going to have to pay like actual actors to act for you. And we don't have budget for that. So just go with the theater students, which to be fair, we did have some non-theater students who were in our, um, in our films that we made, um, they were still Bellhaven students, so, you know, we didn't pay them. But, you know, the non-theater students did just as well as the theater students. Honestly, I would go so far as to say that non-theater students that we had in our films did better than our theater students because, you know, something about theater, which, I mean, if you're, if you're in the arts or even adjacent to, like, theater or anything like that, you probably know. But, one of the, you know, principles of theater, I guess, I don't know, I've never taken a single theater class, is that you're acting for the people in the back of the theater, right? You have to, you have to be very big, essentially. There's not really a whole lot of room for, like, nuance in theater, unfortunately, and when you're working with, which that might not be true, however, when you're working with, like, students, um, all they know is to act for the people in the back, and, I mean, with film, you got shots that are like this close and you don't need to act for the people in the back. The people are right here, you know? So ran into that issue, um, with my film and I have no idea how I got to the subject at all. Oh, um, the stuff that I was reading, uh, in school. Yeah. Mostly just a lot of girl meets boy type of stuff. And I will say some of the best stuff that I have read while at Bellhaven did not include any of those plot points. In fact, my favorite film that I worked on was uh, one of our longest short films. I think it ended up being like 20 minutes. One of our, at the time that I was there, it has been by now, what, like three years since I've graduated. So A whole number of things could have happened since then, but since I have graduated, my favorite film that I had worked on um, was Our Longest at the time, and it was about a girl who was undergoing cancer treatments and befriended an older man in, like, the, uh, I guess, oncology or radiation clinic or something, Um, and it was a very heartfelt, poignant film. Um, Nothing to do with romance. Let's see. What's another, another... I'll tell you one of the best performances I think we got um, during my time there. It was sort of romance-ish, but not really. It's about, it was about a breakup, basically. And two people are in a restaurant, and honestly, it's one of those films where, you know, something that my professor would say a lot, and honestly, this I do agree with him, if something is, you know, a film is mostly like dialogue, then that's like a stage play. 'Cause it's mostly just talking. There's not much acting or there's not much action, I should say. And while while I do agree with that, I think it kind of worked here only because, you know, the main actress in it was like really good. And she wasn't like she wasn't a trained actor. She wasn't a theater person. She was, you know, in fact, she was in creative writing with me when I was, you know, still in that program. And she did really, really well. And so it's like, you know, I really encourage Our young writers out there to think outside of the box. Honestly, something that I think we all can kind of benefit from. I've been seeing, you know, some of the, some of the, I don't want to call it girl boss feminism, because it really isn't that. It is genuine, like, sincere feminism. But, you know, a lot of people in feminist spaces talking about decentering men from your lives. And I think there is a lot of value in that, in, you know, being a whole person without having a partner. Which for me I've never really had that. Well, okay, no big lie. <laughs> no. No. I was what I was gonna say, which was gonna be a lie, was that, oh, I've never had that problem because I've never been in a relationship. But men were very much centered romantically in my life in ways that were not helpful to me like at all. So and I am starting to like move away from that, thankfully, in my big age. Um, but I also think men can benefit from decentering women from their lives a little bit as well, and then we might get, you know, more interesting stories being told on screen. And you know, with like regular films that you see in the movie theater, there's really not that issue. But I feel like, you know, filmmakers just starting out. Well, really, I can only speak for my cohort. Uh, during my time in film school, but they really needed to decenter women from their lives because that is all they would write about. Of course, that didn't really include everyone. We did have some people who were excellent writers who were not writing about those kinds of things. Um, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't all like that. But there were definitely a handful of people just all they would write about is, ooh, what if what if a girl? Or no, what if a boy met a girl? Ooh, revolutionary! And honestly, at some point, I became so fed up with it that we had—I don't know if it was during a class or we just had like a a meeting for something or something like that—and I was saying like, we gotta, we gotta think of something else to write about. Like, it, write about literally anything else other than a boy meeting a girl. Like, write about two girls meeting, you know? And I remember saying that because my film professor was like, you know, we can't can't really do that here, can't do that at Belhaven, get two girls, that's illegal. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, it, even though I say that, I don't think we were particularly hamstrung about, or by um, being in a Christian university. I mean, really all I would have wanted at Belhaven would have been more resources, not necessarily money, but really just like people resources. Um, I do remember uh, the only thing that we couldn't really write about was, like, I, I remember we were actively, like, forbidden from putting alcohol in any of our scripts, I think. Aside from that and, you know, being told that I can't write about gay people, um, that was kind of it. Which, I don't know, might be stifling to some people for me. I mean, not Necessarily. The only thing that was stifling for me was that we were apparently fresh out of black actors, you know? So that was the only thing that I ran into. Um, but yeah, I think maybe also something that might have um, improved things a little bit was we weren't, you know, like actively discouraged or told, no, you can't write things that are unfeasible, but we were heavily pushed towards you know, right for feasibility. And honestly, I think that might've been why we got so many boy meets girl scripts because we were limited to, you know, actors in their late teens and 20s on a college campus or the surrounding area. And that doesn't really lead to very much variety. And again, like I said, we did have some variety for the people who were able to think outside of the box, but a lot of the time It just wasn't the case. So, it's kind of unfortunate, but you know, Eddie's what Eddie's. And that's, um, talking about all that, talking about the Book of Clarence. It was fine. Oh, what wasn't fine? Oh my God. I forgot about this until just now. But while I was at the theater, it wasn't really all that packed. I will say this I always buy my tickets in advance when I'm going to see a movie. And I use the Fandango app I have for like a bajillion years now. I don't really see the point of using anything else, to be completely honest. I'm not going to use like a theater specific app because, you know, what if I want to go to another theater? I mean, there are only maybe what, like two good theaters around here, so my options are a little bit limited, but still, what if I go somewhere else, you know, and want to see a movie? But, anyways, I always pick my seat in advance as well and I always try to be like in the very middle row or in the very middle in the row that I'm sitting in and try not to be too far back and also not too far forward so basically in the very middle of the theater essentially and I ended up being in between two couples which I mean I don't really care about that but I don't know I um this could just be me just like I don't know noticing things that aren't there. But when I sat down in this previously empty seat between these two couples, the guy sitting to the left of me, like turned to the girl that he was with. I don't know what he said, but you know, the vibe was weird. Um, but aside from that, things are fine, except when the movie was over, right? I sometimes like to stay to the end of the credits because I just like watching the credits, you know, all those people, those names that you see rolling during the credits, they all worked very hard on the movie. And I like to at least dignify them by seeing and recognizing their names and their positions. Now, is that very (laughs) pretentious of me? I should hope not. I really hope not, you know, because one day, you know, my name is going to be in the credits somewhere. And I would hope that the people watching would dignify me by at least seeing and recognizing my name. That's, that's all I ask for. But anyways, um, staying, you know, during the credits is whatever. Um, I'm, ne- I can't remember the last time I watched a movie where there was like an after credits scene. Cause I think that's mostly like a Marvel thing. And I just do not like Marvel movies. I'm not going to elaborate either. Um, do I have to, they're kind of bland and they're not funny. Um, that's my only elaboration, but I still like to stay and watch the credits. It's just what I like to do. And so, you know, most people, they don't do that. So when the credits are rolling, the house lights come up. And the guy sitting to the right of me, who has been, by the way, it didn't bother me all that much because he wasn't doing it during the whole thing. But he was narrating parts of the movie like, oh, oh, that's 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 him or, um, you know, When people, when there's like a reveal or something coming up and somebody says like, oh, but that's not, or I really am struggling to like, I don't know, show how he was doing this. But, you know, people who kind of like narrate movies while they're watching them and it's a little annoying, especially when you're in public and like not at the house, which perfectly acceptable if you're in your own home and a theater with other people. Trying to enjoy it, not not so great, but um, he got up at the end of the movie and he had popcorn, right? Because people, when you go to movies, you have popcorn. I don't, because I don't like popcorn and I don't like the way it gets in my teeth and my gums. Um, but he stands up with his with his popcorn, his half full bucket of, I would say, medium sized bucket of popcorn. And he just throws it onto his seat. He just stands up, you know, un unreclines his, ste- his seat, stands up, tosses it on the seat. And I'm like, bro, I don't say anything, obviously, because I'm, I'm, like, stunned that he just did that. And, like, I'm not about to say something to this grown man. Like, no. And he just throws it on the seat. Popcorn goes, you know, all over the seat. And he's with a, a woman. Presumably his partner, I don't know. Uh, well, yes, his partner, because she goes, babe, when he does that, and the both of them keep on walking. And I'm like, I, I've I never seen something so audacious in my life. And I, I go to the theater semi-regularly, you know? Sometimes I go to, like, really full showings of movies. Sometimes I'm, like, the only person in the theater. But the times that that has happened, and, you know, people who... I won't call them scumbags, but you know, they're not the most courteous of individuals. You know, sometimes they'll leave like a a popcorn bucket on the floor for the people to come get, but throwing it onto the seat in complete disregard, that's a new one for me. That's definitely a new one. I've never seen that happen before. Just like, how do you do that? That's crazy that is wild, wacky, crazy, and insane. Like just the complete disregard. And the weird thing about this too, is that for some reason, I don't know why it's not, I don't know if it was the last showing of the night because the movie ended at around nine o'clock, 9 p.m. And um, midway through the credits rolling, the people are like already cleaning. And so now because I'm sitting here watching the credits roll because that's what I like to do, I'm just sitting next to this mess Next to me, and I mean, eventually the person comes and like sweeps everything up and gets the popcorn bucket, and I'm just sitting here looking like a, a doo doo head because there's just there's like a f- almost full bucket of popcorn spilled on the seat next to me, and it's like, you know, I didn't do it, but still, like the person who did is long gone, and it, it it's just a weird situation, honestly. Like people just do not care. And also these were, this person, I don't know how old they were, but they were not a teenager, definitely. They were, I would hazard guess and say in their, well into their 30s, well into their 30s, very much in the, in the middle, in the midst of their life, you know, which I mean, 30, that's not really the middle of your life unless you like die when you're 60. So, you know, but still, definitely old enough to know better. So it's like, my goodness, you know? Like from from a kid or a teenager who's there like unaccompanied, would I expect something like that? I wouldn't really expect it. Obviously, I would hope that, you know, the children were not raised in a barn, but you know, I wouldn't be super surprised, but for like a grown dude to be doing that, it's crazy. I'm going to move on. I don't really need to belabor the point. <laughs> Um, what's next on the list? Oh, I can finally talk about Drag Race. Okay, so it's been, oh, I've got some things to talk about too. So, well, okay, I said that, like, I had several paragraphs in my head. I don't think I do, but we're going to see what I can conjure up. So, by now, two episodes of Drag Race have aired. the The full split premiere has been split premiered. We have not had two groups of queens meet each other yet. That'll be this week. Um... But I will say, so the first episode—I'm not gonna lie—I did like, you know, that cohort. I thought, you know, there was some some good some good talent in there. Some people, I, okay, I'm not really rooting for anyone yet, but I do like Dawn. I like Dawn. She is likable, and maybe I would like for her to go far, but I don't know if I'm rooting for her yet. I have not been given anything to root for yet because it's only been one episode that she's been in, you know? So, and also I will say I do like having talent shows in the main seasons instead of just in the all-stars, which they've been doing this for a while now. So, you know, I don't, I don't think I have to announce that every time that they do that every season, but, um, I do enjoy it because it gives the queens a chance to, you know, showcase their talents, especially right off the top like that. That, I like that. It's a good choice. Um, However, I will say some people's talents were more, you know, exciting than others. I'm talking about you, Tsunami Muse. I thought, you know, if she... I like... Okay, I'm going to say this. I liked her track. I thought it was good. I thought it was nice. But I thought she was going to at least do a flip, do a split, do something, instead of just trotting up there and lip syncing. Like, that was... Definitely disappointing. I'm not going to lie. That was it was kind of nothing. And I mean, it's good that the track was good, because if it wasn't, then I what would there be? What what would there be to see? You know, Um, let's see who else I'm trying to think in the first episode. It's been a while. People are (laughs) people are definitely, you know, um, have some things to say about a mandatory meeting. Definitely her makeup. It's a little rough. But, you know, I like not perfect drag queens being on Drag Race because, you know, now we're 16 main seasons in so many international franchises, so many all stars franchises. Like we need more imperfection. We need more people who are just kind of just okay, you know, because I feel like there that presents room for growth during the season if they last. I think, I would like to think that a mandatory meeting is gonna be lasting at least a little while. Um, I think she's really funny, aside from her makeup being not great. But, you know, I, I like that. And maybe, maybe I'm rooting for her a little bit too. Maybe I'm rooting for her a little bit. Maybe just a teeny weeny bit. Maybe just a little, maybe. Maybe. Um, I. I think that'll that really concludes my thoughts about the first episode, because, I mean, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on. You know, the mini challenge was it was fine. It was whatever. Um, aside from that, I thought, OK, you know, this I will say this. The first group is definitely like the nice girls group. Like the, these are going to be the girls who are like going to get along. Like these girls are going to end up being sisters you know, that whole kinship thing, um, this second group, this second group, oh, my goodness, this, this, okay, it's not even, like, all the second group, it really is just plain Jane, like, she, we finally have, we finally have, you know, an actual right out the gate villain of the season with plain Jane, and honestly, you know, for, for, reality television purposes I love that I love that we have like an actual like villain because I'm trying to think back to the the previous episodes I mean Candy Muse wasn't exactly a villain she was just kind of full of herself and you know that's not exactly a villainish trait not to me anyway being full of yourself um and I mean last season gosh I'm blanking real hard On who the villain for that could have been But, you know, I feel like It's been a while since we've had Like a very transparent Villain, someone we can root against Someone, an antagonist You know, someone who's Probably going to serve as the foil For someone else, you know So, I am very excited For these two groups to meet Each other and interact, and I'm also Very excited for someone to finally get Friggin' eliminated, cause gosh I, you know 16. How much was it? No, 14. 14 queens. Two weeks without an elimination. This is going to be a long season. Like, I can already feel it. And the whole immunity thing. I haven't watched season five. um, So I'm not really entirely sure how the immunity is going to work. I started watching season 13. So relatively recently. Um, You know what's funny? Valnet is what brought me my love for Drag Race, <laughs> that's insane, you know, I I have been exposed to a whole new world through this, like, content farm, so if I can, if I can thank Valnet for one thing, it's introducing me to Drag Race, which is a whole, it's a whole story, I, I promise I'm not trying to just, like, plug videos on my main channel during this one, but I made a whole video about Valnet So you can learn about that, I guess, if you want to. Um, But yeah, shout out to Valnet for introducing me to Drag Race because I am just living my life. I am I'm enjoying so many things, you know. Huh. That is that is really interesting to think about. But anyways, um, yeah, playing Jane is she's she's the villain. She's the certified villain, the designated villain. The one we can root against, and I love that for us. However, you know, knowing how this fan base can be, they're not gonna take her as like a normal television antagonist. They're gonna take it way personally, which I just don't understand. I really don't. I'm sorry, like I cannot get taking this that seriously. Honestly, I don't wanna I don't wanna say it because like you know, there have been actual bad things to come out of the community that I'm about to talk about, but it almost feels like Drag Race fans are, they aren't, but it, it, it feels like it's getting there. They're in the class of like football hooligans where like you're so passionate for this one team. You're like willing to raise a city, you know? It's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. But instead of, you know, flipping over cars in, I don't know, Blackpool or whatever, city in the UK that people do this at. <laughs> You're, you know, sending people death threats on twitter.com, which is uh not kosher. Neither of those are kosher, but you know, they they almost feel like they're in the same class like drag race fa- standship, not not fans standship and football hooliganism are almost almost becoming one and the same, which is not great. And I think some viewers of this television program really need to, uh, take a a long, hard look at themselves and ask, like, why are you like that? Why are you like that? You know, like with a, with a scripted TV show, like, you know, um, let me see. What's, uh, what's, uh, well, okay. (laughs) I was about to say like, oh, nobody was sending death threats to the showrunners of Game of Thrones after that ended in the way that it did. But honestly, they probably did. I wouldn't put it past some people. So who knows? Maybe maybe this is just normal television viewing now, which it shouldn't be, but maybe it is. It's weird, but whatever. Can't relate. Sore. The last thing on my list of on my list of things is um the last thing on my list, which um, you know, I guess kind of old news now cuz it happened did it happen in December or did it happen in January? I can't even remember. It's been a whirlwind. But um a certain person who conspired to kill their mother has been released. I think 2 years early. She was supposed to do 10 years, I think. Or something like that. I can't remember. But Gypsy Rose Blanchard, she's out of jail. And she apparently has a husband. Don't know how that happened. Um and the I I I I don't know what to say about the whole situation not really about her herself but just the way that it's like taking on this weird life online I genuinely don't really understand why people are I don't even know what to what to call this like phenomenon like it's not even memifying it's like going past memification because like still even if you were memifying something you could still look at it and point to it and recognize how it's like bad but I feel like the people who are I don't even know if it's idolization or what I genuinely don't know what's going on here the people who are being real weird about Gypsy Rose Blanchard it's certainly strange especially you know like okay do we feel bad for her I certainly do knowing what I know about the situation, which I mean, if you don't know by now, I don't know how you've managed to escape that, but I will, I will, uh, I guess briefly recap it for you. Gypsy Rose Blanchard is a person whose mother was abusing her because, um, her mother had Munchausen's by proxy. And basically what that meant is that she, her mother, Dee uh, concocted up all of these medical conditions for Gypsy Rose to have and kind of induced some medical conditions, you I'll make it look real, um, to get sympathy and I guess attention from those around her. Um, and it really ended up taking a toll on Gypsy Rose's life because, I mean, from very young this was happening and it essentially kind of stunted her development, not really her physical development, um, but definitely I would say her her mental development. She did not have a normal upbringing, oh, at all. And I mean, she wanted out. And so I guess the only way she thought of that she could get out was to have her weirdo online boyfriend come over and like stab her mother to death. And that's what ended up happening. Um, and so she ended up getting, I think, 10 years for it probably because of the circumstances I just described. Um, and, you know, because she didn't actually do the the murdering herself. Uh, from what I remember, she, like, hid in the bathroom during it. Um, and the boyfriend, I'm pretty sure, got, like, life. He's never getting out. Um, and so, you know, people were very taken with this story because it's so insane. You know, it genuinely is, like, an insane situation that this woman could do this to her daughter and that her daughter can finally I guess find the strength to retaliate but in a very very extreme way you know murder I would say pretty extreme pretty extreme um so yeah I at first I thought you know when the news started going around that oh Gypsy Rose is getting out of prison it would just be mostly people you know talking about the weirdness of the situation and kind of, I guess, idly hoping that maybe she can finally have, like, a normal life, which how much of a normal life can you have after you go through something like that and also spend a significant amount of time, like, in prison, you know, but the thing for me, you know, I've always been, um, not always, I don't know how to I've been aware of her situation for a while because back when BuzzFeed News was a thing, you know, before it like died, RIP BuzzFeed News, that was like the first big story that they broke was, you know, what Gypsy Rose was enduring and how she came to kill her mother, essentially. Um, You know, it had been covered by local news, I guess. But I think BuzzFeed News was the first outlet to really pick up like, first national outlet to pick up on it and, like, go do some, like, really good journalism. And I think they won. Okay, I don't know if they won a Pulitzer for that or anything like that. But I think they were recognized in some way that that was, you know, a a decent piece of journalism. And that was, you know, that was how I found out about it. And I think how a lot of people found out about it. And then, of course, HBO made their documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest, which... It's fine, but I've seen a few Netflix true crime documentaries, and I gotta say, the amount of dead bodies that they're just willing to put on the silver screen is, like, far too much. Like, I mean, with this one, they show you, you know, fair warning for anyone who wants to watch that documentary on HBO Max, but you literally see her on bed stab wounds, you know, with the one about... Um, the guy who, like, (laughs) accidentally confessed to murder and, like, dismembering this guy. What was his name? He's dead now, but, um, oh, what was it? The Hitch or The Stitch or something like that. It was a series, basically. At the very beginning, they show you, like, hey, here's a leg, here's an arm, here's a disembodied torso, like, bro, calm down, um in the one, I don't know if this is a Netflix, not Netflix, an HBO documentary specifically, I think it is, but there's something wrong with Aunt Diane about the woman who like drove, I think down the wrong way, down an interstate with like six kids in the back or something like that. Um, they show you the the initial, you know, the crash before all the bodies were taken away and it's like, can we chill with that? Like, did, do we need to see that? You know, do we, is that a requirement of true crime. Honestly, this is really what I want to talk about. Is it really a requirement of true crime programming that we need to see a dead body? I'm just asking, does that need to be seen? I don't think it does. Like, I don't think you're taking anything away from the narrative if you just do not show a person's dead body. Like, what? why do we need to do that? Why do we need to do that? Is it, like, do we, do we need to see that? Why can't we have like a, I don't know, an artistic representation of a crime scene if we need to do something like that? You know, why can't we just blur it out a little bit? You know, why can't we, you know, now I get like in some, I guess, crime scenes, there's like stuff in the area where the murder took place and it's like oh these are clues this person left behind bloody footprints or there's like a there's a knife over there in the corner and it's like you can show that but you don't have to show me a body it's not required i really don't think it's required genuinely i don't and um this has only really been something that i've seen you know in those three Netflix documentaries and honestly some YouTubers are guilty of it as well Wh- which I mean we know they're guilty of it because there's that whole thing with the lady who like somehow well probably not somehow it's probably open record that you can find it which I don't think it should be but found a kid's autopsy photos and sold those on Patreon for like 10 bucks or something like that um so I I don't I don't get why we need to see dead bodies dead brutally murdered mangled dismembered bodies i don't get it i don't get it i really don't you can drive home the point of the point that you're trying to make without showing that so you know if if you are listening to this burgeoning young true crime documentarian or youtuber you don't have to show the body you can show the crime scene but bodies are where I draw the line. That's it. That's all I have to say. And the fact that that was included in the documentary is wild, wacky, crazy, and insane. Like, good Lord. We don't really need to do that. We don't, you know? Anyway, now that Gypsy Rose is out, she's like doing this whole press tour. Like I saw her on The View and I'm kind of Confused as to why she's doing it, because the only thing that's happened is that she's out of jail. I haven't heard anything about her, you know, releasing a tell-all memoir where she's going to finally, I don't know, set the record straight and tell her story, which, given the nature of her of, of the crime that had happened, I think she would be forbidden from doing that because, you know, I don't know when this, like, law was put into place, but if you're... Convicted of a murder, and this might not be a well, I don't even know if she got a murder charge, so I don't even know if this would apply to her. But I don't know if this is like a universal thing in all states, so who knows. Also, I didn't know they were just like down in Louisiana. That's like that's close, that's pretty close for me, anyways. Like, sometimes it'd be in your own backyard, you know. But, um, was I gonna say, I don't know if she would even be able to release a tell all memoir telling her side. Of things because of the way that you know the laws work where if you're like convicted of a murder or something like that you can't profit off of your crime or maybe that you know is used as like a stipulation in some way in the courts but i yeah her doing a whole press tour and joining social media that's whatever i mean we all remember oj simpson's first twitter videos after he freaking got out for kidnapping so that was like a whole thing but you know he's not he didn't like do a press tour after he was released from jail you know not this time around anyways I can't remember what happened after the whole you know the trial because I wasn't around for that big surprise I wasn't alive uh, when the OJ trial happened actually I don't know no because I know it didn't happen in 2000s it happened in the 90s so yeah um That I do find a little bit odd. I don't know if she's acquired the services of like a publicist or something or like a PR person. But honestly, I if I were in that situation, the only thing that I would want is to just live a normal life, you know, with her her prison husband that she found in prison somehow. That one is still kind of confusing to me. Like, I know it happens like you can get in these pen pal programs with like prisoners and stuff like that, but it feels weird. It feels a little weird. Just a just a just a weenie bit, just a little bit. Um, you know, just have a normal life outside of the public eye after, you know, you've lived a basically your whole life being exploited. Like why would you want to subject yourself to even more exploitation in the media even though this time around, I guess it is I would hope. I would hope it is her choice that she is doing all these like interviews and stuff, but you know, it's just a sad situation all around. Um, something that was maybe not funny, like ha ha, but you know, funny, like interesting is that, you know, no tears were shed when Dee Dee Blanchard was killed. So, and it's not even like out of respect for the victim because technically Gypsy Rose here was the real victim, even though, did her mom deserve to die? For what she did, you know, maybe it's because I'm a bleeding heart lib, but, you know, jail, absolutely. Death, pump the brakes a second, you know? I, yeah. Those are just my views on it. Like, did Gypsy Rose absolutely deserve to be liberated from her horrible mother? Yeah. Did her mom deserve to die for it? Um, there are better ways of uh, teaching a lesson, I think. Just my opinion. Just just my opinion. So, um, I mean, that concludes my list of topics. I know I, I posted on Twitter some time ago now. Wait, have I already talked about this? I can't even remember. I don't know. Either way, I'm gonna talk about it again. <laughs> I posted on Twitter uh, quite some time ago that I was going to be going to see Vale of Maya in concert I changed my mind I changed my mind you know I found out which honestly I was looking for an excuse to cancel my trip anyways but I found out that when I would be going down to New Orleans to see them would be like the the beginning of Mardi Gras festivities and you know a place that I don't want to be is in New Orleans during Mardi Gras I just don't want to be nowhere near that I don't need those problems no no thank you so um I canceled the trip and also because you know I, I do want to save a little bit of money, um, so I canceled my hotel and I sold my ticket. So will be going to see Vale of Maya, unfortunately, which, I mean, it's it's a tour to support their latest album, Mother, and in preparation for me seeing them, um, I listened to the album Mother, and I was very unimpressed. I hate to say it. I was a, a little unimpressed I didn't really like the album, which is weird. Because like, well, I mean, it's not weird. The sounds are completely different because I like False Idol a lot. And I'm trying to remember um, Matriarch. I like some tracks from that. And so I thought, oh, you know, I I like these two albums. I'm going to like their newer work. I did not. Unfortunately, big, big sorry to Veil of Maya, you know, that um, I didn't like their latest album, but I, I simply did not. That really wasn't a deciding factor in me not going, by the way. It really was the fact that, you know, Mardi Gras festivities are going to begin during that little weekend. Ugh. Mardi Gras festivities are going to begin during that little weekend. And um, what else? It, it was just too expensive, to be completely honest. And also, I spent like two months traveling. Like, November and December, I did a lot of traveling. And the thought of driving three hours down to New Orleans was just like not, not it wasn't giving. And I thought about, you know, taking the train cause we have a direct Amtrak line from uh, Jackson to New Orleans, which I still want to take at some point, but I don't know. It just wasn't speaking to me at that moment. I'll just have to go back down to NOLA some other time and hopefully take the train the next time that I do go down. Cause I think it would be really fun to uh, take a method of transportation I never have before. Cause you know, obviously I've been in a car, I've been on a bus, not like a Greyhound or anything like that, but you know, you you go on a a field trip in school and you take the charter bus and I guess the school bus too. I mean, I've never taken like an actual public transportation bus. Not that I really would want to, cause the buses around here, I mean, they're not stellar. I don't, (laughs) know, no. Um, so technically speaking, I've taken a bus, not like a, you know, public transport bus. I've been on a plane. I've been on a boat like cruise ship. And, um, I mean, I've taken the BART when I went to San Francisco, um, and I guess by extension Oakland. And that's more of a, you know, it's not a long distance train, but I haven't been on like a, a long distance train, which is what I want to go on. And then I think that will complete like. All of the modes of transportation for me, you know, planes, trains, automobiles. Um, for some reason, boats are included in that. So, yeah. And then they'll they'll like complete complete everything. It'd be so nice, but I guess I just have to you know pick a pick pick a day, just go down there. I mean, I think we're fresh out of three day weekends because I mean it's Martin Luther King Day today, and so you know what when I, when I would ideally want to do this would be like a a multi-day trip not just like a go down come right back type of thing um which i don't even know i think they do do that but the the times that the train departs from here and arrives in new orleans and like vice versa they're like too close together where you'd only have like 3 hours to spend in the city which i don't i don't think that's enough time to do anything so I wouldn't want to do that. I would want it to be like a multi-day type of thing. And I can't really think of the next like three-day weekend that's coming up. And I mean, obviously I could just like take off of work, but I've been taking so many days off for leisure reasons. And you know, I'm not hoping that I get sick, but who knows, maybe a sickness is waiting for me in 2024 and I'm going to need that time off. So, but at least, at least When my my one year anniversary at work comes up, which is coming up next month, very soon, um, I'll finally be getting more time off. So instead of um, like eight and a half hours or something like that, I'll be getting 11 and a half hours, so every month. So that'll be pretty good. I am looking forward to getting more time off. And thankfully my boss is a real one and she's not weird about us taking time off for really any reason. So like whenever I want to, I can, that I know. I have such a great job, you guys. Like, I, I don't want to talk about it too much, but, you know, it's it's fun. I like it. Um, honestly, I'm not going to push this episode any further. I am struggling to find things to talk about. And it has been almost an hour. Not that I've ever had, like, a hard and fast hour limit. But um, I'm trying to... Honestly, I think I I think I talked about everything I wanted to talk about, except for the, uh, the Hines County Popper Cemetery, which I talk about at length on my main channel. It's just Erin. You should check it out. It's a really good video. Very long but still really good. So, um, follow me on Twitter. Cause if you're not following me on Twitter, you're only getting half the story. I love saying that. It's just so much fun. Like the untucked intro. It's it's so much fun. Also about the untucked intro, they changed up the, um, I guess they're going to be cycling them a little bit more because for the longest time, it really was just just like the, the same few sound bites. And then, this last season they switched it up and now they've switched it up even more this season so I mean good for them but I only recognize like a few of them unfortunately I do miss this is not RuPaul's best friend race that that was an iconic one but you know she she served her time and now she has to step aside for the other ones to be able to shine so yeah follow me on Twitter because if you're not following me on Twitter you're only getting half the story And I will see you guys in the next one. And can I, it's so cold. I know this is like a beginning of the podcast type of topic, but it's so cold. Like, I am sitting here in a sweater, right? And I mean, this isn't a particularly thin sweater either, but it's not like super thick either. But I am like, I'm cold. It's supposed to be like 20 degrees tomorrow as the high. And I have to go to work tomorrow. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. So wish me luck, I guess. Uh